This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On July 13th, 2021, the FBI in New York warned Masi Alinejad, an activist speaking out against the Iranian regime, she was in danger. It was eight months ago when the FBI came to my house and told me that you're under under surveillance of uh, the intelligence service. And um, from the beginning, I really didn't take it serious when they said you your life is in danger. But now she does, and she tells us about it. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. About 10 years ago, I interviewed a man by the name of Jamshid Sharmad. He's an Iranian activist. He was living in Los Angeles at the time. The FBI had some information that they believed he needed to know urgently. They told me they have enough reason to believe that my life was in danger. The Iranian government was after him. They were relentless, continuing to pursue him. And almost a year ago, we learned that he was taken into custody by the Iranian regime. And he's somewhere in prison in the country. Exactly where, we don't know. Masih Alinejad is a freelance journalist living in Brooklyn, New York, who works for a number of different organizations, including The Voice of America. She, too was a target of the Iranian regime, but the FBI got to her in time. And she spoke to us about her situation. When did you first learn about this plot from the authorities? It was eight months ago when the FBI came to my house and told me that you're under under, um, surveillance of uh, the intelligence service. And um, from the beginning, I really didn't take it serious. When they said, you, your life is in danger, I was like, you know, as a journalist, I keep receiving death threats every day. Mm-hmm. And I even told them, I showed them a poster of myself being hanged in Iran. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, this is from Iranian um, state television saying that after we executed Ruhollah Zam, next is going to be the title was coming soon, something like that. And I said, I always get these things and I don't think they are serious. They just want to scare me. But they told me, you know, this time is different. They actually hired a private investigator in New York, taking photos of your private life, filming your movement. And we have to move you to safe houses. This is interesting to me because, you know, you wrote a post or a piece, in, an opinion piece in The Washington Post uh, in August of 2020, and you um, said, 
A few days ago, I woke up in my house in Brooklyn to learn the Iranian government had unleashed a social media campaign calling for my abduction. So it was a you didn't think at that point that they would be go as far as they apparently have in seeking to kidnap you at, at, at this point. Exactly. You see, I wrote that and I told the FBI, look, if they were going to kidnap me, they wouldn't go public and talk about it. So that is why I think they just trying trying to scare me, trying to to take my focus away from my job. Hmm. And to be honest, from that time, I was like um um, more became more determined to to give voice to voiceless people. From that time, I started to um, do my investigative journalism, find the families of those people who got killed in November protests. And now every week, I give the platform to them. I make mini documentary about the mothers of those people who got killed, mm-hmm. because I I thought that if they want to just scare me or stop me. This is how I should respond. But when the FBI told me, no, they are here. It's not just threatening you or scaring you. Then I was like, wow. So I left my country to be safe here in America, to give voice to my people. But now the intelligence service is that close to me. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So what what did you think when you heard the details of the plot? Because, you know, reading through the documents that I got from the authorities, apparently they had plan for a while to try to kidnap you and uh, force you to go aboard a boat in somewhere near Brooklyn, near your home in, in the harbor, I suppose, and then to maybe force you aboard another larger boat and take you to Venezuela. I think there is a direct flight from Caracas that flies from there to Tehran, perhaps yeah. aboard that flight. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard these details? I mean, to be honest, from the beginning, eight months ago, I was joking, but my life has changed. It was not that easy, especially when I learned the detail. I don't want to say that, but I cried Hmm. (laughs) because uh, the first thing that came to my mind was the footage that I saw from uh, Iranian national television showing that Ruhollah Zam, another Iranian journalist, was, execu- was, was, was kidnapped, was in the car of the intelligence service. And I said to my husband, oh, my God. So they, they, they were going to do exactly to me. If the FBI didn't stop them, then you sh- people should learn about my kidnapping from uh, the Iranian national television, the way that we learned about Ruhollah Zam. I mean, the whole time I was thinking about him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish I wish some places in France warned him because I remember the FBI didn't tell allow me to go uh, and to travel abroad. And I was my film, my there was a doc, there was a documentary about my life just came out in Sweden. I was so excited to go to Sweden. The FBI was so firm. No, you're not allowed. Yeah. So that time when I heard about the details, I said, oh. I yeah. wish Ruho Lozam had someone to protect him, like being that firm, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still so, keep thinking about his two children. Mm-hmm. Their father got exactly um, the, the same way that they, they tried to kidnap me. They did to him. Mm-hmm. They trick him from France and then to Iraq. And then they kidnapped him from Iraq. They were doing this to me, They taking me to Venezuela and then kidnapped me from there. 
Yeah. This is the nature of the Islamic Republic. That makes me furious when the whole world is watching this happening. Yeah, I want to talk about that in just a moment, just how angry that makes you, me, and as a journalist, as yeah. a former VOA guy, and other people who are not journalists at all, that someone would actually do this. But it's my understanding that they tried on numerous occasions to try to lure your family members away. What have you learned about that? My From my broad my amazing brother my beautiful brother my everything you know one night he just called me and um he it was it was late it was midnight he called me and he said that look massey if mom and dad call you and tell tell them tell you that come to turkey we're gonna visit you say no because the intelligence service actually took them interrogated them for hours and hours and asked them to take you to Turkey. They even offered them huge money. So don't go there. They want to kill you there. And I was like, wow, they even using my mom, my, my who I love. And my brother actually made a video about it. So that is actually the reason they arrested my brother. My brother is in prison right now. He received eight years prison sentence. Oh you know, when I'm explaining to you, I cannot believe it myself. They did all to me. If I was a journalist for American like broadcasting, like, uh, sorry, if I was not Iranian yeah. journalist, all like American working for American uh, uh, media broadcasting, I would have received a prize for just giving voice to voiceless people. Now my price is my brother's in prison. My mom was interrogated. My sister brought on TV to do false confession. I, that makes me angry because I said to President Biden that this is not about me, Iranian. Right now, I am an I, I am an American citizen, and the regime is actually challenging the U.S. authorities on, on on U.S. soil. So that's why. Think about it. If I was Lady Gaga, if I was I don't know President Biden's son, Kamala Harris' children, what would be the reaction of the the U.S. government? Yeah, you know that is a very important question, and that's something that the U.S. government has to think very long and hard about. And I noticed that you actually wrote again in the Washington Post um, saying that Iran's plot to kidnap a, a dissident uh, is a warning to Biden. Tell it, us, tell us. It what... is a warning. Yes. Look, it's not honestly. It is not about me. The regime in Iran trying to actually. Uh, test the reaction of the U.S. government, trying to challenge them that, look, we are here in your land and it is against the safety of Americans. And that is why I want them to hear me. Look, let me tell you something. When I did the interview with CNN and Fox News, both different media broadcasting with different views, they only cared about my safety and human rights, both both, uh, uh, you know, CNN and Fox News. When I just went, walked out from those buildings, people in the street were just hugging me, saying that, God bless you. Some people said, we're glad that you're safe. I received hugs from people in, in New York and they didn't care about my political views, didn't care about who I am. They just care about their fellow people. So American government should do the same. You know, they should care about um, human rights more than nuclear deal. That's mm -hmm. my point. Mm -hmm. OK, the same time when the regime was trying to kidnap me, the, the U.S. government was trying to have a deal. But the same day when FBI actually announced that, 
then U.S. government lifted lift up sanction. <laughs> so. Yeah. This is my, it's painful. It's yeah. painful. My family received fresh threat. I'm under pressure. I have to look over my shoulder. Is that too much to ask to, to President Biden, Kamala Harris, Secretary Blinken, uh, just take a strong action? They didn't even name me when they were tweeting about it. Yeah. I'm not the criminal. I am not a criminal. Go to my Instagram page. I have 5 million followers actually more than 5 million followers, 1 million followers on Facebook. And this is, I'm not, I'm not modeling. I'm not an actress. I'm, I'm, I'm just an activist. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving voice to voiceless people. And a lot of people relied on me. Yeah. The government is scared of me. And that's why they made a new law saying that if anyone send videos to Massey, we'll be charged up to 10 years of prison. Can okay. you believe that? Yeah. But, but people keep sending videos to me. It means they're risking their lives because they want to be heard. And I have to be strong and stand with my people and do my job. Yeah. So so let me ask you this question then. What specifically would you like the U.S. government to do? Just point blank. Specifically, what is it you want the Biden administration to do? First of all, I want them to actually um, listen to me because they they didn't even... They didn't want, even want to listen to me when I said that, look, my family is under pressure. For month and month ago, I, I exposed that. My brother is in prison just because I am an American citizen. And right now they were here on American soil. So it's important for them to, you know, just invite me and hear me. Just hear me. Mm-hmm. You didn't even, like, you didn't even talk about it on your on, on, on your platform. I know Justice Department did an amazing job, but if Biden, President Biden keeps silent, if Secretary Blinken keeps silent, this is a bar to, this is this is an important issue. But if they keep silent, then the government gonna go after more American citizens and threat them on, on the US soil. You know that's it. Masi, let me interrupt you for a moment and forgive me for doing this, but um I it's not my job to take a side or to 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 do anything like that, but I have to say you make a very, very, very good point. I was talking with someone the other day um, who has been targeted by a foreign government who made the very same claim and concern that Secretary Blinken and the State Department has not even engaged with him or many of the other people that have been targeted. And this makes me wonder why. Why they aren't listening? What is the problem with that? And this is a very serious thing because I want to tell you something. On in October of 2011, in the indictment that came out the other day regarding the the people that were trying to kidnap you, there were two names mentioned in that indictment. Um, and you know, I, I listened to what was going on and I read the indictment. Ruhalazam was one of them, and you talked about him already. The other gentleman was Jamshid Sharmad. Yes, I, I want to talk about him. Yes, one second. That name stuck in my head, and I re- I went back and looked at my files, and I realized that I interviewed him on October eleventh, twenty eleven, and he told me about this plot in Los Angeles to kidnap him. And he said the FBI told him, I've got the audio here, and I'm going to play it in this program when it airs. He said the FBI warned him, saying, your life is in danger. The exact same thing 
that they told you. And we don't know where Jamshid is now. At least I don't. Maybe you do. But yeah, this I, is... I'm in touch with the family. I'm in touch with Jamshid Sharmak's family. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamshid is under torture. Mm. Nobody know where he is. Mm. And he knew about the threats, but nobody did anything. And now people are waiting for, for him to be executed. Mm. You know, he, he, his daughter has only social media crying for justice. My point is so simple. When you don't take action, they can be bigger threats for, for, for other citizens, you know? I deserve actually to be heard. This is yeah. the first step. When they even don't hear me, then what can I ask? Yeah. You know, this is all too sad, um, but this has to get fixed. So uh, what do you want people who hear this to do? I want people to care about, you know, human rights. And when I talk about the Islamic Republic, People sometimes get me wrong and they think that I'm causing Islamophobia when I talk about people getting executed, people getting lashes, people getting arrested just because of removing their hijab. Don't get me wrong because I'm talking about the true face of the Islamic Republic. And I myself was one of the victims who were going to be kidnapped here. So when people say, shh, it's going to cause Islamophobia or people say that, shh, this is something internal. These, the Iranian people should deal with it themselves. It breaks my heart because human rights, it's a global issue. And when I talk about the extremism, actually, it means that I'm talking about a dangerous virus, like cro- more deadlier than coronavirus. And if you don't take action, you don't talk about this, the virus is not going to stay there in the Middle East. It's going to infect the rest of the world. That's my point. I want people to support me. Yeah. I always hear a lot of people say this is internal matter. I was like, come on. When, you know, people in, in Gaza, in Lebanon suffering, when Muslim minority was suffering in France because of, you know, the Burkini ban, when Muslim ban happened in America, nobody kept silent. The whole world got united to be their voices to support Muslim minority which is a great job to do. But what is your solidarity when it's happening to, you know, the people in the Middle East? Then suddenly it is like their problem? No, when George Floyd got brutally killed, the whole world took action and talk about it. Yeah. You know, but when every day, right now that I'm talking to you, two young men got killed in Iran just because of asking for water in Khuzestan. Now the regime opened fire on protesters who are actually protesting peacefully uh, for for the, the water shortage. And they get killed. You cannot just, if you're really le- looking for a stability in the region, you cannot go and negotiate with one of the most unstable regime without recognizing the civil society, without recognizing that the people are suffering uh, you know, under such oppressive regime, you have to listen the people as well. Otherwise, the history will judge you. And more important than this, then you have to fight these kidnappers, hostage takers, murderers in your own land. Yeah. Thank you for talking to us. Is there anything you want to add before we finish today? Thank you so much. The only thing that I want to add is this. The government did everything. 
to keep me silent. That's not going to happen. As far as the people of Iran are saying no to religious dictatorship, I am their voices. And if I keep silent, two things going to happen. First, I'm going to send the wrong signal to the oppressors that, okay, putting pressure, taking family members hostage works. Go after another activist. Go after another journalist. And another thing is, if I keep silent, I'm going to betray all those brave women, brave mothers of Iranian victims who got killed in Iran protests. Their life is in danger, but they don't give up. Then I'm not going to give up. Masi Alinejad, thank you for uh, your strength. Thank you for your story. Thank you for what you've done. And uh, I appreciate you taking time to talk with us today. I really appreciate for your sympathy and everything. It was a great interview. Thank you so much. Masi Alinejad, a journalist from Iran living in Brooklyn, targeted by what we've come to believe is an autocratic government. And speaking of autocratic governments, coming up in our next episode... Have you heard about the Pegasus Project? It's an international investigative journalism initiative that's revealed that governments have been spying on a lot of people, including a list of 50,000 people all over the world. People have been targeted through their mobile phones. And what we discovered is that um, NSO Group was um, leasing or selling or whatever they do, um, this software package to a lot of uh, I would say, less than democratic countries around the world. And these countries have been spying on people from taxi drivers to presidents. Um, and these countries were taking the software and essentially using it to spy on journalists, spy on opposition um, uh, uh, parties and candidates, to spy on activists, civil society, human rights defenders, um, and each other. And coming up on our next episode, we'll tell you exactly how the spy program worked, technically and ideologically. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about our program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, if you'd like to subscribe, we would welcome that too. If you want more information about national security, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast, the most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes. Now let's get this straight, this is not your average podcast. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy, it's pretty much an in-your-face conversation. That's the good thing about us, we don't do interviews, we do conversations. All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill, we drink, we play games, we have the song of the week, we have the creative curse word of the week, as long as you're having fun as our guests. Speaking of guests, each week I'm gonna go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on, but that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy 
Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby! Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.